0: Welcome to Pem Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Soboleski, and today we're gonna to talk about reducing the dislocated patella, one of the most satisfying procedures in the emergency department. You often see these billed in the chief complaint or EMS call as dislocated knee. A dislocated patella is not a total dislocation of the knee. I'll get to that in a little bit and this is one of those colloquial things. In general, dislocated patella is something that you can see and diagnose on physical examination. So the general steps are you determine that it's a patellar dislocation, you perform the reduction maneuver, you get the x-rays and then you get the patient set for discharge. Let me start with some basic definitions. So a patellar dislocation means that the patella is displaced from the trochlear groove, and usually this is in a lateral direction. The trochlear groove is that little nook or space in between the distal part of the femur and the plateau of the tibia. A patellar subluxation is where the patella is still in the trochlear groove, but it's lax and it feels unstable. A patellar tendon rupture is more common than a quadriceps tendon rupture in kids. These need surgery, and they can often be associated with anabolic steroid abuse or quinolone antibiotics. You'll see the patella just kind of floating around. A knee dislocation, which again, is not a patellar dislocation, is a tibial femoral dislocation. This is a limb-threatening injury, and they involve multiple ligamentous disruptions, vascular compromise, and these are the result of high-energy trauma. Think somebody falling off of a roof and and landing awkwardly on their feet. All right, so I alluded to this before, but maybe you want to break out that old copy of Netter. Let's talk about some anatomy. So the patella normally sits nicely in the trochlear groove, and it's anchored by the quadriceps tendon superiorly and the patellar tendon inferiorly. The patella naturally moves a little bit laterally on leg extension. It can dislocate in multiple directions, but especially in the pediatric emergency department and in young people, this is usually in a lateral direction. So the lateral patellar dislocation is the one that all of you will see and reduce. This is due to a disruption of the medial patellofemoral ligament and the medial retinaculum. Generally, this happens due to internal rotatory twisting force being applied to a flex knee when it's a little bit of a valgus position. So imagine someone who's spinning in dance or gymnastics, swinging a baseball bat, changing direction while running or skating. These are the kind of movements that lead to a patellar dislocation in the lateral directions. Superior is rarely seen in children. This is an injury in hyperextension, and it's seen in older adults with arthritis. Medial dislocation is usually a postoperative complication. Intraarticular is weird. Kind of the patella gets tucked into the trochlear groove, and this is usually associated with injury to the quadriceps tendon insertion point. Again, most often, you're going to see a child with a lateral patellar dislocation. These represent about 3% of all knee injuries in you know, kids and young adults, there's a greater risk in the early 20s, so late teens, early 20s. You see them in adolescent female athletes and taller overweight males, like the linemen. Again, sports that put you at risk, gymnastics, soccer, ice hockey, dance, weightlifting, and military training especially. Males are more likely to happen due to direct trauma. In females, it just happens spontaneously. And these look pretty gross, right? You've seen one or you can envision it. The patients describe the knee giving way and may feel or hear a pop or a tear. Classically, you're going to see a patient with the affected leg held in 20 to 30 degrees flexion at the knee, and the patella is displaced laterally, just floating out there. If you're right on the field, like a sports medicine doctor might be or a bystander, you can reduce this right away. By the time they get to the hospital, there's going to be a lot of muscle spasm, and they're going to need some pain control. Intranasal fentanyl or ketamine are excellent options. You could choose IV meds as well. While the analgesic is taking effect, I like to massage the distal third of the quadriceps to relax some of that muscle spasm before doing the reduction maneuver. All right, so how do you do this? Well, get the patient in a supine position with their hips flexed and make sure they're comfortable. You're gonna do a two-person technique whereby you slowly extend the knee while applying gradual medial pressure to the lateral aspect of the patella. Successful reduction means that the patella kinda slides or pops back in place right there in that trochlear groove, that tibiofemoral tract. The knee can then be flexed and extended and pain is greatly improved. You actually don't have to apply that much force. In general, I like to have my thumb against the lateral edge of the patella and my four fingers, the pads of those fingers, and my palm across the medial part of the knee. You just guide that patella back up as that knee is straightened. Works out really great, and I've posted a video on PEMblog. You can search for it there. Post-reduction, put the patient in a knee immobilizer or a patellar stabilizing brace. Now remember, I said that if you were sure that this was a lateral patellar dislocation and there wasn't a significant amount of trauma, you could forego x-rays before the reduction procedure. But you definitely want to get post-reduction x-rays, and you get the AP lateral and sunrise view of that patella. Sometimes there can be a little avulsion fracture or small fracture that is generally non-operative. These are called osteochondral fractures, where you have capsular avulsions of the medial patellar margin or little loose intraarticular fragments that detach from the patella and or the lateral femoral condyle. These generally happen during the dislocation rather than your reduction maneuver. Patients that are in the knee immobilizer should be taught to use crutches. They can use NSAIDs for pain, ice and elevate the limb if at all possible, and follow up with sports medicine or orthopedics, especially if there's a fracture, and or the primary doctor in two to three days. The treatment for first-time dislocations, especially those without fractures, is physical therapy with early range of motion and quad strengthening. You're gonna need about four to six weeks of rehab before return to play. Early operative repair in first-time dislocations in children or adolescents under the age of 16 does not have any advantages though there are some small orthopedic trials that show surgical benefit in patients 19 to 22 years of age. So that's a follow-up question. All right, well, when do you call orthopedics? If you can't reduce it, and this has happened to me once in 17 years, or you have a superior or intraarticular dislocation. And what's the recurrence risk? Well, if it's already dislocated two or more times, it's probably going to pop out again in patients with a medical history that has generalized joint laxity, if you've got a young woman especially with passive lateral patellar hypermobility, or there's autosomal dominant patterns that make you more likely to have this happen, or disorders like Rubenstein-Tabey. All right, so that's all for patellar dislocations. The workflow, again, is number one, Determine that it is indeed a patellar dislocation and not a knee dislocation or something else. This is going to be a lateral patellar dislocation almost always in the pediatric emergency department. Perform the reduction maneuver, generally with some analgesia, because they're going to have had some muscle spasm and pain set up from the time they go from the field to the emergency department. Get post-reduction x-rays, and then knee immobilizer, crutches, NSAIDs, and appropriate follow-up. This is one of those maneuvers that happens relatively shortly after the patient gets to the ER. So here's some advice for the student or resident. Get there and be ready. Speak up if you haven't done one, because we are delighted to teach you this procedure. It's incredibly satisfying. It satisfies that ACGME requirement for joint reductions, and frankly, it's why you're going into medicine. Do something to help a patient out and to get them moving. If you want to learn more about orthopedic injuries or lots of other stuff that happens in the pediatric emergency department, go ahead and check out PEM blog. Mm-hmm. Follow me on Twitter at PEMtweets. Check out the Facebook page. And if you've got a moment, go ahead and leave me a review on your favorite podcast site, leave a comment on the blog, or send me a direct message on Twitter or an email. I would really appreciate the feedback. Mm-hmm. For PEM Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine Podcast, this has been Brad Soboleski. See you next time.